Welcome back to Nikki and the JJ Crew, the daily podcast where we sometimes do funny radio voices. This is page 565. Miller, keep your thumb off the scale. Milkmaid, milkmaid, fill your pail. Potter, potter, spin a jug. Baby, give your daddy a hug. Foth made no gesture for the last line. Instead, he tilted his head, eyeing Bast expectantly. Bast merely stood there, confused. Then, realization dawned on his face. Reshi, how could you think that? He asked, his voice slightly offended. He pointed at the little boy. He's blonde! Looking back and forth between the two men, the boy decided that he would, actually, like to have a bit of a cry. His face clouded over, and he began to wail. This is your fault, Bast said flatly. Quoth picked the little boy up off the bar and jiggled him in a marginally successful attempt to calm him. A moment later, when Mary came back into the taproom, the baby howled even louder and leaned toward her, reaching with both hands. Sorry, Quoth said, sounding abashed. Mary took him back, and he went instantly quiet, tears still standing in his eyes. None of yours, she said. He's just mother-hungry lately. She touched her nose to his, smiling, and the baby gave another delighted, burbling laugh. How much did you charge them? Quoth asked as he walked back to Chronicler's table. Chronicler shrugged. Penny and a half. Quoth paused in the act of sitting down. His eyes narrowed. That won't cover the cost of your paper. Chronicler asked, I have ears, don't I? The smith's prentice mentioned the Bentleys are on hard times. Even if he hadn't, I still have eyes. Fellow's got seams on both knees and boots worn nearly through. Little girl's dress is too short for her, and half patches besides. Quoth nodded, his expression grim. Their south field's been flooded out two years running, and they had both their goats die this spring. Even if these were good times, it would be a bad year for them. With their new little boy, he drew a long breath and let it out in a long, pensive sigh. It's the levy taxes. To this year already. Do you want me to wreck the fence again, Reshi? Bast said eagerly. And that's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. I think this little game of Bast wrecking the fence so that he can make some business for, for them is a bit of a hint at Bast being behind the mercenaries at the end of this book. It's sort of the same scam, but at a different scale. And without Quoth being in on it. Yeah, this time without Quoth being in on it, but that's that's his MO. But that also like characterizes both Quoth and Bast as kind. Clever and kind. Yeah, and respectful of other people's pride. Yeah. Like he's not going to go and, and clearly Quoth has more than enough money to buy the town twice over. Or I don't know, maybe that's an, a, a, a baseless assumption, but it certainly seems like he wants for nothing and he's able to procure rare goods at his inn. So, I mean, one wonders why he doesn't. Uh, it's sort of a Bruce Wayne situation, you know, or like, why doesn't he invest in the town? Maybe this is his way of doing it. Maybe, I know he doesn't want to draw attention to himself. All right, I talk myself out of it. So <laughs> I'm going to forgive Quoth for not being an altruistic billionaire uh, because he doesn't want to draw attention to himself. But he is in his small way creating business so that he can give charity to these people because if he just gave charity, it would hurt their pride and also draw attention to him. And we go into that explicitly on tomorrow's page. Uh, well, we do, do we? we well, do. forget I said anything. Cheerfully. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, 
here's the thing like i i go back and he's forth made of rocks yeah he's the ever-loving blue-eyed thing baby he was he was born and raised in the, on the yancey street i go back and forth over whether or not i do think that this kid is is one of bast's by blows but either way like this is funny like if he's not then quoth is just teasing bast a little bit because everyone knows bast gets around in town the kid senses the like the tension between them and that's what sets him off and then bast gets to be like this is all your fault i didn't have anything to do with it i don't know it's good it's funny it is a good like comedy moment for sure and it doesn't really matter in like for us as as readers i don't think i don't think it really matters if it's true or not it obviously matters to them as characters, but for us, I don't think it makes much of a difference. No, it just tells us something about the character. You know, Bast isn't too offended. He sort of plays along or at least is like, you know, he's not, no, couldn't possibly be true. Not that he doesn't, like, he's not denying that he he's, yeah, slept he, with Mary or that he messed around with her, but he's like, this can't be my kid. He, he doesn't have my hair. He's blonde. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it also it does tell us that it is possible for the Fae to interbreed with human beings. Does it? I mean, maybe Bass doesn't say. How could you think that? You know that I can't do that. That's a good point. You know, I wonder right? if the Fae, you know, if they can, do they know that they can? I mean, there's a very compelling theory that Quoth has Fae blood, so I'm sure they can, and that will end up being one of the uh, big reveals. But uh, interesting, you know. Right, but this could kind of be a foreshadowing of that idea. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder what would that what would that mean if indeed Quoth is a little fae, and uh, if if indeed the little this Munchkin is a little a little fae. What does that like? Will they live longer? Will they like? What does that do for someone? <laughs> well, we know they don't wear pants. Well, you get like plus two to your decks, but you like you don't get the the racial bonuses to like. Uh, archery or whatever. I think they got rid of racial oh, bonuses. See. Yeah, yeah. Getting briefly back to to Quoth's unexpected act of kindness to the Bentleys, but it, you know, it's not just Quoth and Bast. It's also Chronicler, right? Like Chronicler, not even really knowing these people, can see that they're they're going through a rough patch, and so he undercharges them for his services. So that also tells us about what kind of person Chronicler is. But I expect that out of Chronicler. For some reason, more than I expected out of Bastard Quoth. I kind of wouldn't have expected this from Chronicler early on, but to me, this sort of says that he's he's like taking a cue from Quoth. Like I, I feel like part of, and I, mean, I we should keep an eye on this. Like how has Chronicler changed as a character through throughout being this throughout taking part in the story as well? Like what's his arc? Certainly, he has had the story of the Chronicler incepted. Uh, at his much to his chagrin and maybe he's taking on a slightly more heroic countenance because he's asking himself kind of like what would quoth do in this situation i don't think he's doing it intentionally but i do kind of feel like this moment is like a small step toward that and he's kind of inspired by quoth hmm. i don't know that i agree with that but it's eh, it's it's a thing to ponder it is that i think it feels relatively true to life that like if you meet someone who is uh, who has a very strong moral compass and who kind of unconsciously is always doing the right thing, the empathetic thing, the altruistic thing. I do think that that starts to rub off on you in one way or another for one reason or another. I think you start to consciously or unconsciously try to like do better yourself to live up to that example. I think that that makes sense to me. Yeah. I just don't know that I believe that Chronicler wouldn't have done it before. 
Yeah, I mean, we didn't like we certainly don't have an idea that he's a scoundrel. I do get the sense that he's a bit of a, a realist early on, but I don't. Yeah, I I, yeah. I I get where you're coming from, Jordana. It's not like this has been hammered out for us that this is his arc. It's just it's something I. That's what it feels like to me that this is something that he's taken on through his proximity to Quoth. Meh. Meh is right. Any other thoughts on this page? Only Bast, really. Heyo. This letter is from our good friend John from Ventus, who writes on King's Endings and Learning Languages. Hello, Pagers. I recently read The Stand, and I already knew that many people consider the climax of that book to be a deus ex machina and that it's a weak ending. As a person of faith, I find it to be completely in keeping with the sort of conflict that King has set up throughout the entire book. There is a clear battle between capital G good and capital E evil that is happening, and both forces have intervened in various ways throughout the rest of the story. To me, it's not at all out of place that at a climactic moment that God, or whoever it is you want to posit as a force for good, would intervene in a more direct and spectacular way. I can understand that some may find this unsatisfying, but for the sort of story that he is telling, I see it as totally valid and consistent. I would humbly submit that for someone to take issue with this could indicate more about their willingness to take the story on its own terms and allow it to come up with its own logical conclusions based on how it's been set up than with the actual strength of the ending itself. I haven't read a lot of King's other works, so I can't make broad statements about how his endings go, but I am definitely a contrarian when it comes to this one. Nick, a word of encouragement on your linguistic efforts. My family moved to Estonia in 1996 when I was 13, and in Estonia they roll their R's. I was unable to properly roll an R until just three or four years ago, and I discovered how to do it completely by accident. So even though it may take a while, don't give up. Peace, signed John from Ventus. John, I completely agree with you in the case of The Stand. I think that is one of King's better endings. And I think that anyone who calls it a deus ex machina is kind of missing the the forest for the trees because, yes, it is. Because in that book, God is literally real and literally intervening in a conflict between God and the devil. Yes, the only satisfying way for a story like that to have a climax is for God to intervene. I know The Stand is our whipping boy on this podcast for Quoth's Week Endings? Uh, The Stand is your whipping boy. <laughs> I've never read it, and Jeremy seems to like it plenty. Okay. The Stand is your whipping yeah. boy. <laughs> okay, it's my whipping boy when we talk about uh, Week Endings, but it is very much the journey and not the destination with The Stand. That is not by any means the worst ending to uh, a book or even a Stephen King book that that is out there. So I appreciate your defense of it because it is very valid, John. And I also appreciate your encouragement towards me, although uh, I doubt I will ever be able to pronounce that imperceptible syllable. The imperceptible. The imperceptible. I still am very adamantly on the side that it is the journey, not the ending. Yeah, I, I agree broadly, but if the ending is really bad, uh, it will ruin the journey. The stand is not a bad ending. It is perhaps not the kind of ending I would have wanted, but it is not bad for the reasons posited by John and Jeremy and some other ones. As a as a Stephen King defender who acknowledges that his endings are often bad, <laughs> The Stand is one of the ones where I could say, like, no, that's a good ending. Whereas, like, The Tommyknockers, which is, I would think, I would say unquestionably his worst book, also has his worst ending. Well, I mean, it's right there in the title. The Tommy gets knocked. Mm, I'm afraid he does. And he, he, he is knocked down, but he does not get up again. Ah, uh, so they do keep him down. Tragedy. They do keep him down. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tragic. A real shame. Yep, he pissed the night away. 
That's right. And listeners will thump your tub on tomorrow's page. <laughs> <laughs> the wind. wind. <laughs>